Welcome to the Vine 39 podcast. In this season, we are doing a different format where there's a shorter talk up front instead of a longer sermon. And then we are breaking into smaller groups to discuss in real time some of the things that we just heard. We don't want to be passive listeners. We want to be engaged in our own spiritual growth. And so if you'd like to be a part of one of our services, reach out to us through the website vine39.org. And we would love to have you participate with us. But for now on this podcast, here's Joel doing the intro part of our time together. I wanted to um, say a few things just briefly about the change in, in the order of the way we've been doing things. We're going to send out a letter um, explaining a little bit more about that. But the fact that we've done a little bit shorter sermons, longer, and then breakout sessions um, has been a result of hearing from many of you and um, so many of you that through this season, it's been particularly difficult. COVID has not been easy on anyone. And um, <clears throat> social isolation has been hard for a number of folks. So whatever struggles you already had were significantly enhanced by that, by the political divide, by struggling economy and so many other factors. And so for us, we thought, you know, we could continue giving people a boost Sunday after Sunday enough to just kind of sustain that. Um, and that could go on for a while. One of the things that we've learned both individually, personally in our own lives, but also in the, in the work that we do with folks is that when people are engaged in the process of actually going back and forth, like engaged in talking and processing um, whatever content is being given to them, that you tend to remember it more. And you know this to be true for you. Um, it's, it takes more effort, I get that but I'm willing to stretch you a little bit if it means that you'll grow because that's how I grow. I don't grow by sitting back and doing what's easy or comfortable for me. Um, as this is, this is a stretch for me in case you think that this is actually easier for me. It's actually harder. <laughs> the previous way of doing things is much easier for me. Um, but if I'm going to grow and you're going to grow, we sometimes have to stretch ourselves to do what we know is true. And that is when we process together, we grow more, the stuff sticks more. Um, and so that's what we want for you. So we're doing this for this season. We don't know, can't predict the future. We don't know. We just know that for this moment now, um, this seems best to us. And we're still form it, forming it. We're still getting lots of input from the board and, and adapting and changing and doing what needs to be done to the best of our ability. So grace to us, grace to you as we try to work through this together. Uh, with that, uh, let's jump into the power of words, part two. We're looking at words as seeds and swords, and today we'll talk about them as swords. Last week you said, a lot of you said, let's talk about that because this is a big deal. It just so happens that we're also starting Advent. And so we're going to be lighting a candle. So hint, hint, if you don't have one with you or you didn't prepare, or you forgot or whatever, uh, Ah, all right. Lori has her candle. <clears throat> um, and Jackie does too. And this is great. So we've got some candles ready. So we'll be doing that in a little bit right after. Um, look at that. Holly's got a nice looking candle. And Jeff, beautiful candle. Did you guys buy them at the same place or something? Or um, <clears throat> they look similar. Uh, the, um, we'll be doing that right before worship. So before we sing together. Um, 
But we'll look at the power of words. Words are, have the, Abraham Joshua Heschel, a Jewish theologian said this, words create worlds. Words create worlds. And then he went on and described what that was like from Nazi Germany to all sorts of other world leaders who have spoken. And when they spoke and they declared something, things took place, whether by their own power and force or through influence. Let's take, for example, the I have a dream speech from Dr. Martin Luther King. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. A man with very little power in the sense of positional power, but tremendous influence because of the gift that God had given to him. And he uses those words to do something. Another one who did have positional power, John F. Kennedy stated that we would get to the moon. And he said, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. And he inspired a whole nation. And then everything designed itself around those words. Words create worlds. Words create a new order, a new way of being. They design your life. Your life takes shape around words. Destructive power, uh, the des destructive words, excuse me, also have the power to create chaos. Either way, whether the words are positive and they create order in a beautiful order in your life, they create something even better. They also have the power to create something else and that is chaos. Either way, words have the power to create. Proverbs 18, 21 says, the life and death are in the tongue. The tongue has that power. James says that it is a small member of your body, but it can set a whole world on fire. Jesus says it is not what goes into a man that makes him defiled, but it is what comes out of him. Words have power. When I was growing up, I struggled enormously as a student to say that my teachers wanted me out of their classroom was an understatement. They actually pushed me into the next grade, not because I deserved it, but because they didn't want to see me again. When I got a C grade, I was absolutely relieved and ecstatic because that meant I wasn't, I wasn't going to fail that class. D was like, oof, I just got by and I was glad. And as a result of that, I was regularly told that I was stupid. Not a week would go by where I did not hear those words. I am a dummy, you know, you are stupid. As a result, by high school, I dropped out of school and did not have any sense of direction or belief that I would ever do anything in the world of academics or use of my intellect in any way. Words are powerful. They can create worlds and they design your life. Whether you react and fight against them or you give in to them. You are still in reaction. Those words are creating an order or a disorder that eventually becomes a new order in your life.
Luke chapter 1. Luke begins his whole gospel with the story of this man named Zechariah, married to his wife named Elizabeth. And they themselves have believed certain words that have guided them. And when they hear a different kind of word, they cannot hear it. And you are going to relate to that because many of you have heard words that you've taken in and you have reacted according to them. And then when someone says something the opposite to you that is positive, that is affirming, that is life-giving, you can't even hear those words. Do you relate with me this morning? Let's read Luke chapter 1. One day, excuse, well, we'll start with verse, let's start with uh, verse, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 of Luke. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. The angel said to him, don't be afraid. Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or any other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring many back to the people of Israel. He will bring many of the people of Israel uh, to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. I have been sent to speak to you to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. And he realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. And jump down to verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. 
and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they're going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. And they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name his child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. He began speaking, he began to speak praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe throughout the hill country of Judea. People were talking about all these things and everyone who heard this wondered about it asking, what then is this child gonna be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Mm. You see this play on between, you know, I have been sent to you <laughs> and now you will not be able to speak. I have been sent to you. I, I am the one speaking to you. See, for a, an ancient couple to not be able to have children was a tragedy. It was believed that you had something wrong. Maybe you had done something sinful. Maybe your ancestors had done something sinful and it was passed on to you. And either way, the gods did not favor you. The gods were against you. To have children was the single most important thing in the life of a married couple in the ancient world. Nothing came close to comparing to that. That was the single most important thing that allowed them to ensure that they would continue their name, that they would continue being able to earn a living, that when they were old, that their children would take care of them. This was their social security. This was what would allow them to ensure they would not end up in abject poverty. This would also give them uh, a place in the social fabric of the world, whereas as they showed up in circles and in community, they were not looked at funny because there was something probably wrong with them. You know that feeling you have when you have, there's a rumor that's going around about you and you show up at an event and that rumor has been going on and now you're the one standing there and you get those looks and people are all kinds of squirrely around you very, very uncomfortable. You know the feeling of that. And this is what Zechariah and Elizabeth would have faced. So barrenness was not a blessing from God. It was viewed as disfavor. And so when, Abraham, or when Zechariah and Elizabeth have lived their entire lives based upon this theology, the theology that these were the words that that they are not in favor, that they are not loved or favored by God in some way. Or maybe the reason why is it's not personal. It has to do with Israel. Israel is under the curse of God. And that's what they perceived in this time frame that this uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in. Israel was viewed to have been uh, cursed by God. God had turned away from her. God loved her and would bring her back. But right now she was under God's disfavor. And so things like this were expected to happen. And so he is experiencing this kind of curse himself. And so when the angel appears to him, notice a couple things. One, 
the angel appears and Zechariah still cannot believe. How many of you have said, if an angel were to appear, or if you've heard other people say, if an angel were to appear and say it, or if God spoke to me and said it, I would believe it. And the answer is, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't believe it because it doesn't matter. The filters are there. Zechariah is able to have this experience where an angel shows up and speaks to him, and he still can't believe it. That is the power of words. Words at an early age, words that they would have heard in the community being said about them, their own theology, their own sense of feeling badly about who they were and the words that were going through their heads at the time too, all of that has taken shape and has formed their lives and they have lived according to that for their entire existence and now they're old. And an angel comes and says, you're going to have a child. And Zechariah can't even hear it. That's how powerful destructive words are. That's how powerful our filters then become as a result of that. We filter in what we can believe and what we already believe about ourselves, and we filter out whatever goes against that, even if it is positive. I can't tell you how many people I have coached who I've said, you actually don't love yourself, do you? And they've said, no. And the entire time they were thinking that everything had to do with other people around them, that they don't feel loved by other people around them. And in the end, it was you don't love yourself. And when you don't love yourself, you cannot hear the love that is coming towards you. You can't even see it or receive it when it's coming your way. Someone could tell you in your face, I love you. Someone could lay down their lives for you in love for you. And still those filters are so stubborn, aren't they? Because when we hear certain messages that impact us, they are sticky. And they form and they take shape within us and our lives become a result of that. First person I remember believing in me. When I say the first person that I remember, it's because I know that there were others who had believed in me and come to me and said things to me, but I wasn't capable of hearing it. But I do remember the first one was my girlfriend at the time, at 19 years old, who said to me, why don't you go to college? And I said, I don't even have my, I don't know, I dropped out of high school, I can't go. And she pushed me and she said, there's a way we can make this happen. And she believed in my mind and she told me, you're smart enough, you can do this. And she pushed me to go to college and I went to college. And then it was then that I met Patty who then became my girlfriend at the time and then my, ultimately my wife who believed in me and sat in the library every time I wanted to find her. She was in the library, which drove me crazy because I hated the library. It was a reminder of how, uh, first of all, I hated, I hated that whole scene. It was a reminder too, though, of how stupid I felt in that environment and I wanted nothing to do with it. So I'd rather be out and, you know, playing sports and doing whatever than actually being 
in that library, but she was there and she began to teach me and show me how to organize myself. And to my surprise, I actually did well as a result of that. She was one who believed in me, but I could do this. And then after that, it was a pastor friend of mine who believed that I could go to seminary and he pushed me gently, dropping stuff always in my mailbox about Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. And I would laugh because every time I'd go there, I'd see some a little note from him. You know, and it was a note of encouragement. I believe you can do this. I think you can. I think you should. I think this would be great for you. You have a mind for it. And just always pushing me gently and encouraging me. And finally, I went. I remember in one of the classes while in seminary, I was listening to the professor speak and suddenly I was overcome with emotion and it didn't make any sense to me because there was nothing about what she was teaching at the time that would have caused that. And as I was overcome with emotion and I was trying to fight, fight back the tears, I heard these beautiful words from God. The words I heard was, I love your mind, I gave it to you. And for the first time, I felt affirmed by God for something that I'd never imagined I could ever feel affirmed for. They counteracted all the words of the years that I'd heard that I can't. And the words from God was, you can. And when you hear those words, it is, they're really stubborn. Again, they fight against, um, your, your previous words are very stubborn. They fight against that. But there's something in your soul that wants to believe it. You want to believe that that's possible, that you can do something that you never imagined you could do, that you can rise higher than where you are, that you can go from the ordinary world to the extraordinary world, that you can go from the chaos that is there currently that has become your new order to a higher order that is so much more beautiful and so much more who you really truly are on the inside. And this is the power of a word spoken by God. But notice how long it took Zechariah. It's actually relatively short if you think about it, nine months. Some of us, most of us, it takes us years, doesn't it? I've started to think about this period of time as the period of gestation. There's a word that is a seed that is planted within your soul and it takes a while for it to gestate to finally become something. And it parallels Elizabeth's gestation period as he goes silent because his own words would never have affirmed and never have spoken the truth about himself. The words of God have had to, had to come in and he had to be silent for a period of time in order to really take it in. And I think sometimes, folks, those words, those truths that we hear, when we do hear them, we have to go silent for a while. We have to sit with them and just say, okay. As Mary said in chapter two, when the angel comes and says something similar to her, her response is, be it unto me as you have said. I don't get any of it either. I love Mary's response. It makes no sense at all to me, but be it unto me as you have said. And she goes into her gestation period. And so the words that are spoken to us 
the words that we have taken in, the words we have said to us, to ourselves over the years, can now be met with words from God. And I believe that angels are always coming to us in the form of humans, in the form of people that are less than perfect. I love that it's Gabriel, the archangel. I mean, there is no one higher than Gabriel and Michael in the pantheon of angels. As perfect and as powerful and as beautiful as this angel was, Zechariah still couldn't hear. For us, most of the times, the people that are coming to us are not angelic, and yet they are messengers, angels sent from God. And so I'd like you to think about this as we break out into groups, to respond maybe to this time together with, uh, with some time around us. And I'm going to ask Jim to give us some guidance uh, for this, this part here. What I'm going to do is put some um, statements in the chat that have their common statements that have been made uh, to us and um, as a starting point for you to think about. There's plenty more. Um, but for us to process this, because uh, there are angels all the time coming to us with different messages, and we have a hard time believing those. They counteract the previous ones, and they're so hard for us to really believe. Um, but let's enter this period of time now in conversation and in prayer for each other.